0: Well, welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and it is an honor to be with you tonight. We've got a big show, and joining us now is Vice President at the Heritage Foundation Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy, Jay Carafano. He is a leading expert in foreign policy and a 25-year veteran of the United States Army. Jay, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey,
1: I love the title of your show actionable intelligence like old army guys we love that
0: stuff absolutely man absolutely no it's it's fun it's fun to have you on look Jay. one of the things that we've talked with our viewers about in the past is not just what's happened domestically which is grabbing a lot of attention but a lot of people especially (laughs) veterans have been thoughtful about the trump legacy in foreign policy they look at the defeat of isis the harder line against china and iran historic peace deals in Israel. You've got a great piece out right now talking about some of the big challenges facing a Biden administration and some of the big foreign policy questions as Biden and his team come into office. I want you to, if you could, walk our viewers through what you see as some of the biggest challenges facing the Biden administration. And perhaps you could begin uh, with China.
1: Yeah, you know, let me start with the the fundamental point is, at at the end of the day, the United States and and other free nations around the world, we have lots of different agreements, but we believe in human rights, we believe in freely elected governments, we believe in the free enterprise system. Chinese Communist Party doesn't believe in any of those things. In fact, they see it as an obstacle to the expansion of their power and influence. And if we don't, as Americans, as free nations, don't protect our equities, they're going to be at risk. What, what concerns us, you know, coming out of the box, is a lot of the Biden people uh, actually philosophically side with the Chinese Communist mm-hmm. Party. You know, when they in the House, when they try to do a joint report, the Democrats refuse to have anything in about ideology because many of their own members, the leaders of Black Lives Matter, for example, they're Maoists. So that I think presents a real challenge for the Biden administration. And what's what's troubling is coming out of the box. The Chinese are looking very, very tough. Even though the Biden administration thinks about let's find ways to get along, the Chinese have cracked down on uh, dissonance in Hong Kong, and they're doing it more. They've got, they've been more threatening towards Taiwan. Uh, they have, they kicked the World Health Organization investigative team for the COVID out of the country. So they're sending every signal that they're not in a make nice mood. Even as and says, well, it's all just
0: Trump's fault. Let's just figure out how to get along. Right, and Jay, one of the things I always appreciate about your analysis is that you're not only insightful about what's happening today, but you often put things into historical context. If you could, you go back and you look at the Cold War. One of the real weapons that the United States used in that war against the, against the Soviet Union was it was very clear that we were a country that was stood for freedom of speech. We stood for freedom of expression. You had organizations like Voice of America were trying to get information into Soviet into the the Soviet sphere. How do you see or how would you compare? What happened in the Cold War with our competition with the Soviet Union, with how you think things look like they're shaping up vis-a-vis the United States and China at the moment?
1: Well, That's that's a great question, because when you're in a long-term competition, you just just can't do like World War II, just drive to Berlin and have it done with. Very similar to the Soviet Union and what we're facing now. It's as important to protect what allows you to compete and be tough and be strong as it is with getting the other guy. And the three most... We are our our freedoms are the strength of our economy and the ability to defend ourselves. And in the process of dealing with the communists, we, we try to be like them. We're going to lose that. Right. So this moral clarity of of being for freedom and opposing somebody that isn't and and continuing that clarity in what we do here at home and abroad. So important. So, for example, when we debate in this country about should we censor people's political beliefs that we don't like, that's that's self-defeating. We've got to be better than that, and better than that as an example to the world. When Angela Merkel is condemning big tech for blocking the president of the United States, you know there's a there's a problem there, and we've got it. We
0: need stronger moral clarity, absolutely. Yeah, and I also think, think it's true that, you know, just, just a very basic principle that a self-confident America should recognize that we can defeat any other power if we are our best selves, that we don't want to try and mimic Chinese values. We want to, like, fully give full expression to, to American values. And, you know, I, just to make a point, you know, you mentioned the German chancellor. There was actually a lot of condemnation from around the world of, you know, political leaders from, from various political parties all looking at what had happened here with, uh, with big tech. I think it's something that I know you'll be uh, keeping an eye on, and we'd love to have you back to talk on, on that subject more later. Right now, Jay, I want to turn to Iran. Uh, big issue. Walk our viewers through where things stood when President Trump took office, what happened with Trump over the course of the last four years in Iran, and what the big questions are going to be for Biden, please, if you could.
1: Yeah. And that's that's one that really has me worried because in four years, Trump really put Iran in the box. He, he economically, politically, militarily, the diplomatic alliances he, he achieved in normalizing relations between the Arab and Israel. Um, Iran had no space to operate. They're under threat everywhere. The economy's in shatter. The government's under pressure. And the Biden team, all they had to offer is we're going to go back to the deal, which is essentially the get out of jail free card for Iran because the the Iran deal only benefits Iran and nobody else. Well, here's what's really, really troubling about that. Knowing that Biden is gonna give them a softball and go back to the deal, what have the Iranians been doing lately? They've been increasingly threatening and aggressive. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they, they, they captured a tanker in the in the Gulf. They, they tried to put a mine on another one. They've been encouraging the militias in Iraq to attack Americans. Um, they've been taking really, really aggressive actions and you would think, look, if all they wanted was the Iran deal, they could just sit there and do nothing. They want America to come back into the deal in a way that America's humiliated and Iran looks strong and we look weak and where they can go, what they were doing before. If the Biden team signs up for that, that's going to be a real problem. And not just in Iran, because if Iran gets a sweetheart deal, what do you think North is going to do? They're gonna want the same thing. And it's interesting, as Iran has gotten more aggressive as Biden gets ready to come in, guess what North Korea is doing? It's been getting more aggressive as well.
0: Yeah, and when we look back historically, it has often been the case that foreign powers will challenge a new president early in their administration to see how they're going to react. And Jay, we'll certainly be be looking to talk with you about where those challenges might be. Let me let me turn now to, to Israel. Um, President Trump took some historic action. He moved the United States Embassy to Jerusalem. He's recently signed a number of historic peace deals. It's been over a quarter of a century since the last Arab nation normalized relations with Israel. We've seen a series of historic peace deals. What do you think, when you look at the folks the Biden administration is tapping, do you have a sense for where the Biden administration is likely to take the U.S.-Israel relationship?
1: Well, uh, you know, there wasn't much discussion of foreign policy on the campaign trail, Mm so the the guy not really knowing what his foreign policy was going to be. But when we look what we see around him, we have all the old Obama people, so our expectation is Obama Mm 3.0. Obama 3.0 was not good for Israel. They tried to distance the relationship uh, and imperiled Palestinian authority, even though that authority was corrupt and a state sponsor of terrorism and an oppressor of their own people as as some way to get to equity in the middle east that was never going to work. The good news for Israel is in 4 years Trump has invested so much in this relationship and so much in Israel. Israel's almost like a little America in the middle east now. Yes. And the and the other arab nations are embracing Israel because they see working with Israel as the path of peace and stability in in the region. That would work better if the United States had everybody's back. But if Biden goes back to like, well let's treat everybody equal, let's get leave Iranians and the the Palestinians and and the terrorists let's just give them all their day of court that that is not going to be helpful but what Trump has done in the region in the last four years whether you like the orange hair and the tweeting or not it's I believe it's transformational and I think part of his the greatest part of his legacy is creating an opportunity for peace and stability in the region without
0: America having to babysit the entire place that we've ever had Awesome. And Jay, you know, undergirding all of these questions, whether it's China, whether it's Iran, whether it's Israel or a number of other questions that I'm sure we'll talk about in the future is actually American military power. If you could, just in the last kind of 60 seconds that we have left, give our viewers your sense for what's happened in terms of rebuilding American military strength and any signs that you see on the horizon as to where the Biden administration may take uh, the strength of the U.S. military.
1: Well, we had a real peace through president, uh, peace through strength president the last four years. The numbers demonstra improved that. We have this thing called the index of US military strength. It's it's online at heritage. You can read it. So we've done a great job building up the military the last four years. That's important because our competitors are moving up too. Just to give you a real example, North Korea has continued to build its its weapons. The the reason why they're not a threat to us is because our missile defense is way better than that. The last yeah. thing we should do is do that now. So it's a real challenge for the Biden team to back off rebuilding the American military now would really put America at risk.
0: Awesome. Well, Jay, as ever, we very much appreciate uh, you joining us. I will mention to everybody that last report that, that Jay just mentioned, the Index of Military Strength, extraordinarily insightful report. It's available at Heritage. Again, folks, that's Jay Carifano. He's vice president at the Heritage Foundation. Proof positive that you can get some outstanding insights from, from Army veterans, uh, even though we, we tend to have a lot of Navy veterans on the show here. Uh, stick with us because later in the show we're going to have on America's Mayor R- Rudy Giuliani. He's going to be joining us. And coming up next, Matt Palumbo with the Bongino Report. And then we're going to have our own Joe Weber and Sophie Mann to run through some of the biggest some of the biggest uh, stories of the day. That's all coming up on Actionable Intelligence. Stay right with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
2: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
1: As you practice each skill,
0: the muscle memory starts to develop.
2: Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
0: Well, welcome back to Action Mall Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. We've seen that a lot of the mainstream media outlets are losing viewers and readers. Alternative options, including Real America's Voice and other folks, have been stepping forward for people who are looking for a sources where they can go, who they can trust. On, these pro- on this program, we've covered a number of those sources. And joining us now is Matt Palumbo. Matt is with the Bongino Report. Matt, it's great to see you. Thank
3: you. It's great to be on.
0: Great. So, Matt, you're the content manager for the Bongino Report. You've seen a big increase in viewership. First, for our viewers who haven't seen you yet, give everybody a sense for what's at the Bongino Report and how the site has been growing over time.
3: Yeah, so, you know, the way I describe it is it's, you know, the Drudge Report, if Drudge was still good, um, we, you know, organize it a bit better than Drudge, and we have nine sections on the site from, you know, just basic Capitol Hill news, coronavirus, economics. Uh, we cover a lot of cultural war issues. We have a whole section devoted to the swamp and just covering that. Um, and then we have some non-political stuff as well. So we have a science and entertainment section, mm-hmm. um, an opinion section, which can have a you know, wide range of uh, topics. Um, and it's just, you know, I think a very well-organized version of Drudge Report that's uh, not intent on alienating our fans
0: yeah and, and Matt, the, the big the big story you guys have out there right now tonight is that liberals are cheering as Silicon Valley attacks and destroy seeks to destroy uh, free speech. Talk with you, Wood a little bit about that that story and the reaction that you're getting to it.
3: Right. Well, you know, liberals for a while have pretended they were on the side of free speech. And it seems that that was only when, you know, of the other sides in power, um, or, or is at least perceived to be dominant. Now we're seeing it, ha- you know, when they were silencing conservatives, all those principles have uh, suddenly gone out the window. Um, so you know we, we've exposed them as hypocrites uh, in that regard, um, and, and you know for a while people have been saying to us we've complained about censorship is well just build your own build your own Facebook mm-hmm. build your own Twitter so you know Dan and those people at Parler said all right sure we'll go do that they were number one in the App Store mm-hmm. and what happened Silicon Valley uh, it seemingly colludes and just takes it down everywhere they were down on Google one day uh, down on Twitter um, and then separately Trump's Twitter account was taken down. Um, uh, you know, I called it Black Friday at the time. It was all that happened in one day. But then there was also Black Saturday and Sunday and Monday. And mm-hmm. it every day, some random right wing thing is going to be taken down. You know, the biggest uh, gun form got taken down today. A Christian fundraising site got taken
0: down and tomorrow there's going to be more. Yeah, and Matt, let's, let's actually talk about a couple of those stories, because you also have those up on, up on your, your website. There was a, a Christian fundraising network that was, that was taken down. There was a pro-Second Amendment uh, forum that was taken down. If, inform our viewers, if you would, a little bit about what happened there and the stories that you have up at the, at the Bongino Report.
3: Well, the scary thing with the, the uh, gun site is there was no reason given. Um, And one thing we commonly see, just to tie it in with other examples of, of, uh, Mm. I guess, discrimination against Christian organizations like, you know, Mm -hmm. Chick-fil-A, they're always able to link you to something. And it means that you can can really do no right when you're in the left's crosshairs. So, like, when Chick-fil-A was accused of being homophobic, they, like— Chick Fil A donated a couple grand to a college basketball association that was also Christian and technically was anti-gay marriage. Like it's always by proxy they'll try mm-hmm. to guilt trip you. Um, and it, it just proves that like no matter how clean you are, no matter how hard you try, they will get you. Um, for writing for Dan's site, we've I think we've only had one or two articles that have been fact checked by Facebook as false out of maybe two or three thousand. And just that alone, when people talk about our site, they'll mention they've had misleading information. And I'm going, well, it's 0.01 percent right. of the content. I mean, you're ignoring right. the 99.99 and go, there's one thing that I, I, you know, screwed up, but barely.
0: Yeah. Hey, and, yeah. and Matt, let's also talk through uh, there. One of the things that you guys are doing on the site is, like you mentioned, you've got, sci- you've got you know, sections on what's happening in science, what's what's happening with the culture, You're giving giving people a, a sense for what's happening. One of the big stories that hasn't been addressed, especially since the election, is what's happening in terms of the economic outlook. Uh, You've got a story up right now about small business sentiment moving forward. Can you update our viewers on on what you're seeing there?
3: Yeah, so under President Trump, small business optimism had an all-time high. And, you know, surprise, surprise, as of the end of December, it, it crashed. Um, But it also started to fall in November and, you know, people just kind of know what's to come ahead. And, you know, one of the weird things we've seen in the past year is a divergence between the stock market and the real economy. Um, There There's a very famous hedge fund manager who observed that if we had a stock index for private businesses, it would probably be down 50 or 60 percent. Right. And I think we're kind of seeing that reflected here. Small business optimism is at an all-time low and yet stocks at an all-time high last week and it might have even continued today. Um, And I think it's a, you know, depressing trend to see going forward.
0: Yeah. And Matt, one of the other stories that you have up is about is about uh, America's worst run cities. And, you know, yes. we, were ta- we were talking uh, last night with one of our guests who's mentioned that in New York City alone, 10,000 restaurants have closed. 10,000 restaurants in New York City alone is closed. Many of them small businesses, family owned enterprises, sometimes that have been in a family uh, for for generations. Talk, if you could, about some of the other stories that you have up right now on the economic section, because, and you all guys also have a section on the website relating to coronavirus and what's happening. If you could just give our viewers a sense for some of the big things that you're following there.
3: So with corona, I mean, it's mostly it's weird how it always, you know, the big one right now is uh, vaccine news in coronavirus Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I just try to cover every possible angle. Here's the pros and cons, here's the states that are doing a good job rolling it out. Um, Actually, one of the uncovered stories is that Florida, and I think it's North Dakota, um, are actually doing the best jobs right now. Uh, Liberal states like California and New York are doing the worst, Mm. Um, yet you never get that impression. Um, Yeah, yeah. so then, you know, on economics, um, you know, as you just said, you know, the worst-run cities are a surprise surprise, all run by Democrats. Um, There was an interesting statistic from the Heritage Foundation that uh, every day uh, about a thousand people on net balance move from red states to blue states. Mm -hmm. Um, So people are choosing to vote with their own feet and they are fleeing places like that. And uh, just to get a quick plug in, I actually have a book coming out called Dumb and Dumber, which is about uh, the decline of New York under uh, de Blasio and Cuomo, still debating You know, which is dumb, which is dumber, no one's quite sure, but uh, a lot of info in there to explain why in just New York in particular people are fleeing.
0: Yeah, well, let's 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 actually talk about that a little bit, because, like I said, uh, we had a guest on last night who was talking about what's happened specifically in New York City, not not just New York, not uh, New York State, but but in New York City specifically. From your perspective, Matt, and I know we'll we'll talk about uh, the the whole book uh, later, but let's talk a little bit about what you've seen has happened in what was one of America's greatest cities.
3: Right. So, I mean, I, I divide the book up into three sections, and I do one in coronavirus, which was inspired by just the media lauding praise of Cuomo and then actually <laughs> looking at the numbers and going, well, wait a second here. You're the worst by a country mile. You did every right. single thing wrong. So I, you know, in that chapter, just go through a timeline of, uh, I, I call it the, the, com- the tragic comedy of errors. And it's yes. I mean, it's just, as I say, um, the second uh, chapter is on economics and yeah. just talking about, you know, how screwed they are, you, you know, financially, um, the massive debt that's going to come due, the high taxes and that. You know, I don't know how they're going to go higher, but they will. Uh, they're failing schools, they're failing infrastructure, and just all these other deferred liabilities that are going to destroy them. Um, that coupled with people leaving, so the tax base is smaller. And you know, I just it's there's no way that turns that positive. Um, and then the third section, which is I think the most relevant to day-to-day life, is law and order uh, mm-hmm. and the deterioration of law and order. And what I, I start the chapter with a history of Giuliani's cleaning up the city and yeah. all the conditions. I you know I call them the broken windows, all these little micro things that ended mm-hmm. up leading to uh, uh, more violent crime uh, and just you know general societal decay that uh, Giuliani cleaned up, and how all these little things are coming back. Um, and you know and it's going to coincide with a rise in crime as well i mean we saw more shootings or, or homicides yeah. as well last year than in 2018 and 2019 combined um, and it took a couple of years of de blasio to get to that point but he set everything up right for that you know he likes to pretend too well we are in a pandemic so people are stealing bread um, but you look at you know those kind of yeah. uh, uh, crimes are actually going down it's all violent crimes going up
0: yeah. And Matt, you know, one of the things uh, you mentioned just just briefly before was was the Heritage Foundation. Uh, we just had, had on Jay Carafano from the Heritage Foundation. We're walking through some of the big national security issues that are likely to face a, a Biden administration with him. One of the things that you also have at the Bongino Report is a section where you're talking about national security stories for folks who have an interest in making sure that we're following what's happening on the national security front. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about some of the biggest stories that you've got up right now on national security?
3: yes the biggest one today was secretary pompeo announced that al Qaeda's second in command was killed mm-hmm. uh, and that he believes that iran is actually al-qaeda's base right now mm-hmm. um which you know with rising tensions with uh them that's you know another uh, threat there um and then yesterday i think the big story was kim jong-un is threatening america again and you know right. promising yeah. to you know destroy us all and it, you know he obviously waited until it was you know the, the election was over and, and uh, you know at least certified before making those comments and well why do we think that is um it, you know it reminds me of uh, the uh, iranian hostage situation where it took ray, uh, took ray getting elected to end that um so this is kind of the opposite it took trump losing or you know at least on paper to uh, uh make north korea a threat
0: again awesome and again matt let everybody know please if you could where uh, where they can find you uh where they can find uh the bongino report
4: Yeah,
3: so Bongino Reports, just BonginoReport.com. I think if you Google anything like Bongino or anything to that effect, it should come up. Um, On Twitter, I'm MattPalumbo12, uh, you know, unless they ban me. Um, Then hopefully when Parlors back up. um, And it seems like it'll be up within a week uh, from what I'm hearing. I'm the same screen name there.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And Matt, just in, in the 30 seconds or so that we do have left, uh, your opinion, your take on what's been happening with Twitter, Facebook, the rest of the social media platforms, uh, not only taking off President Trump, but also taking off a lot of the other conservatives who you're publishing uh, out at the Bongino Report.
3: Well, the frightening thing is if they can do this to the president, they can do it to anyone. Yeah. Um, we've already seen examples of credit card providers cutting off conservative activists from their services. And it's what's next. What can your utility provider cut you off? Right. Can it be cut off of Internet? I mean, if that happens, what do you do? So, yeah, it's very frightening. Um, you know, it looks like we're gonna, uh, one bright thing is it looks like Europe is actually going to start regulating some of these entities mm. in response to what's happening. So maybe they'll kind of get, uh, get that started and we'll have to uh, follow their suit. But uh, I don't know what else we can
0: really do besides that awesome well matt thank you so much for joining us so we really really appreciate it look forward to seeing you again again folks that's matt palumbo content manager for the bongino report we appreciate him joining us and when we come back we're gonna have sophie mann and joe weber join us on set we got fantastic feedback from a lot of you as they broke down some of the biggest stories last week they're with us again so stay right with us we'll be back in just a minute Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Well, we are joined now by the Just the News dynamic duo. We got fantastic feedback from you when we had them on last week. So back to break down some of the biggest stories is Joe Weber and Just the News correspondent Sophie Mann. Guys, thanks so much for being with us. Thank
5: you for having us. Nice having us back.
0: Okay, so we got some big stories out at justthenews.com where all of our viewers can can check them out. One of the biggest stories has to do with Senator Joe Manchin. Democratic senator from West Virginia saying that there are not the votes to convict President Trump if there even were an impeachment of him in the House. What do we know right
5: now? Well, I would just say that if Manson is known on the Hill as a straight shooter. know, He's going to tell you if they're the votes or not. Yes. He's not going to kind of play politics with right. that. And there's no really need for him to do that because he doesn't want to get burned. Uh, he, he's going to tell you where he stands. I'm sure he's whip counted. I'm sure everybody has whip counted yes. these votes. Right. Sophie?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that we're seeing a lot of this sort of rhetoric come out of the moderate Democratic base, um, Mm -hmm. which has a lot more to do right now with the Senate than it does with Congress, who needs to sort of appease the leftmost wing of the party. And I mean, we know Speaker Pelosi has behaved in such a vengeful way toward the president Mm. for, you know, four years now. This is kind of her final, her final act against him. But we it's and we've heard, you know, that Speaker or I'm sorry, soon to be Majority Leader Schumer agrees with her. Um, plenty, but it's unclear if this is really something that Joe Biden wants to see happen. We're hearing reports just today and yesterday that Biden is worried that an impeachment trial Mm -hmm. at the 11th hour, when you know President Trump is set to leave office on time, January 20th, is going to be a waste of time something that the american people do not find to be particularly popular just as the democrats sort of bungled the effort in 2018 and most importantly in joe biden's mind something that sets behind his agenda which has to do with issues that all americans are concerned about the coronavirus pandemic the ailing american economy and you know things that are personal to him such as getting his cabinet choices approved by the senate in short order in fact he put in a call this weekend to house and senate leadership asking them if should an impeachment trial go forward, will they able to? Will they be able to split the time in their day? Mm-hmm. The answer to which, of course, is no, not really. Right. But um, so we're seeing, I think, a lot from the sort of moderate Democratic part of the party, especially those who sort of are concerned first and foremost right now with agenda efforts um, coming out against this.
0: Yeah, I also have to wonder. If seeing another effort in impeachment doesn't remind everybody of the Russia collusion hoax that went on for years, remind them of the previous impeachment, and all of the things that were done against President Trump. So obviously I know you and the team will be keeping a close, a close eye on that. Another big story, Tom Fitton, Judicial Watch, he's been on this show before, just had his account suspended by Twitter. Uh, What's the latest on that,
5: John? This is baffling because he's been talking about uh, hydroxychloroquine for ages now and I simply just don't know why or no one does. He's befuddled as much as anybody else about why this has. But Tom, as you know, um, his group is very, very good at digging up information. They've Mm. done such a good job for so many years. He's been an advocate, a champion for the conservative cause. Uh, and they become a target, I think, by a lot of people as well. I'm not saying that Twitter in particular, but yeah. And this time, you know, they finally sort of did what they needed, wanted to do, and that was seemed to silence him.
0: And it's something the facts are that this is actually a tweet that he'd put up many times before, mm-hmm. and that they had, if I'm right, explicitly said that this didn't violate their policies, and yet somehow now in this new environment, they're saying that it that it does.
6: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that as Joe said, Tom Fitton is a guy whose entire group has been so committed for so long to really going into reports and, Mm. you know, citing just fact after fact after fact and like real documents they're not an opinion group so to say at all that this is somebody who is generating information that could you know stir up any sort of trouble is effectively to say as I think we've seen so much of from big tech and certain groups on the left you know to deny the American people the truth um, they're effectively saying the truth here is what will incite insurrection is what will stir people up which is worrisome in a week where we've seen a lot of people be kicked off of these platforms and you know it's unclear that moment exactly what the legal pushback is going to be against actions like this. But yeah, I mean, especially in the case of Tom Fitton, it is pretty much entirely baffling why this is exactly what they would even go mm-hmm. after and I wonder if it actually won't ultimately serve the company poorly that they didn't even really bother to come up with a with a better a rationale. take than exactly yeah yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. well we, look we've, we've seen their, their stock price drop 12% mm-hmm. uh, quickly We'll obviously be keeping keeping an eye on it now another big and interesting story that's trending right now with just the news has to do with the Pentagon and some of the exercises that they were putting together Joe. Yeah, there
5: was interesting that the Marine Corps was going to do a uh, exercise, and it's t- typically they march with bayonets, and they were talking about you know how this is bad optics, and this is sort of, hmm, I don't know, a bit of a um, nightmare recurring dream here because they talked about not wanting to put National Guard on the hill when. Uh, as reinforcements, in preparation for, in case there was this sort of siege on Capitol Hill because of quote-unquote bad optics, Um, you know, maybe it's just time to people stop thinking about the politics and the optics of things and just um, doing what you need to do to get things done. I think that's the sentiment around the country now. Yeah. Well, I know
0: you and the team are continuing to investigate with a lot of sources everything that did happen at the Capitol, including you know, the, the fact that the National Guard wasn't deployed in the way that many people thought that they should have been or, or, or could have been. So we'll, we'll be looking for, for more there. So if you've also got a story up about Mike Pompeo. Uh, who's who's talking about this needs to be the end of, I think he said, wokeism. What are, what are we hearing from, from the secretary? He's taken a number of, of big steps here recently. We talked about what he'd done with Indeed. Cuba. Cuba.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, so, I mean, we're seeing Mike Pompeo sort of go on this ultimate tour de force in his last week in office. Yes. He's talking about all of the big issues from mm-hmm. the Middle East to our, you know, friends and enemies abroad to domestic terror fronts in the United States. And, I mean, one thing I think that he's saying, he's been in his job a long time. He's been very, very effective effective, perhaps one of the most effective members of President Trump's cabinet um, in his post. He's saying that he has sort of cracked down on what he thinks the patterns of behavior that lead to countries breaking apart are. And he's Mm -hmm. saying, you know, wokeism in the United States is that he thinks it is tearing the country apart and it is I think just something to really think about and pay attention to that in his one of his last days in office one of his last big public addresses he is telling the American people that this is potentially the thing that could lead to you know the shattering of our nation and I, I hope that people take that as seriously as it should be taken and I hope that um, you know Secretary Pompeo continues to speak out in some capacity about this once he's out of office. Can I ask you a
5: question about that? Sure. Do you think he has any 2024? Uh, potential? You know, I
6: think um, there were some rumors that he was headed down to Florida this past week. It's it's unclear. I think that I think that there is a chance that he could be thinking about twenty twenty four, especially because it seems like Pompeo is enough of sort of a mainstream guy who also toes that Trump MAGA line. Um, I think that there's some real potential there. I think that he could be a, a contender.
5: Yeah,
0: and it's also, it's certainly an important message. I mean, America has always been founded on a shared bedrock of, of values, and a lot of these movements that are attacking a lot of those core values around freedom of expression, we certainly need to need to keep an eye on. Well, guys, we very much appreciate you joining us, and I wouldn't cut it off except that we've got another fantastic colleague, Nick Ballacy, who's been covering Congress, and right now, we actually have a live feed of what is happening in Congress, and I want to bring in... Just the News uh, congressional correspondent Nick Balasey for a quick update on what's happening in Congress right now. Nick, it's great to see you. Great to have you on. Tell us us what you know. So right now they're on the floor
4: of the House debating the resolution that they're proposing and voting on this evening, probably around 7.30. That's the schedule. Uh, They're going to vote on a resolution to call on formally call on Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove President Trump from office. Now he has, you know, eight days uh, left in office, but they're pushing this through. I personally, I think it's interesting they're going this route because last week, after the uh, violent protest at the Capitol, uh, Democrats in the House were saying point blank that if Pence does not invoke the 25th Amendment on his own, they'd proceed with the articles of impeachment. They formally propose an article of impeachment on Monday, but they're going this route, formally calling on Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment. Now, if he doesn't do so, I guess the next step's going to be likely Wednesday. Tomorrow, they're going to formally vote on impeachment. So this is like a first step. So that's what's happening right now, this resolution. It will likely be followed with a formal vote on impeachment itself. And it's very unlikely anything will happen in the Senate because of the timeline, right? I mean, once Trump's out of office, if the Democrats uh, still want to go through with some sort of impeachment, it will be met with a lot of challenges because that's an unprecedented move when uh, the president is already out of office. But uh, the majority whip, James Clyburn, alluded to the fact that this could distract from Biden's agenda so that the Democrats could actually, after Trump's already out of office, proceed with some sort of impeachment or some sort of uh, you know, strategy to uh, condemn uh, his handling of that whole situation at the Capitol, the violent protests. So We'll see what happens, but this is what's going on right now, the resolution to call on Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment.
0: Awesome. And Nick, you've got you've got a lot of sources up there on Capitol Hill, folks you're talking to on, on both sides of the aisle. What's your sense for who's driving this, who's pushing this? Are these, you know, middle-of-the-road Democrats, or is this really an effort that's being driven by, by the left wing of the Democratic Party?
4: I think you're seeing... More middle of the road Democrats sign on to this effort uh, because they want to respond in a strong way to the protests and the storming of the Capitol that happened last week. Uh, But, you know, Liz Cheney, she's a Republican and she's actually come out in support of impeachment. Uh, And she's been, she put this statement out as the House debates this resolution for the 25th Amendment. She's in support of it. There are a few other Republicans uh, supporting it. But again, I mean, it really depends on what happens in the Senate. And the the time is not on the Democrat side right now.
0: Well, Nick, I know that you are gonna be in there uh, on the front lines talking with folks to bring us the latest. We very much appreciate you, you joining us. And folks, stay right with us. Right after the break, we're gonna be live with the former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. We'll be back in a minute. Well welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and we are honored now to be joined by Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mayor Giuliani, you've been on the program before. Thank you, sir, for making the time to to join us tonight. Absolutely. Now look, Mr. Mayor, you helped to lead the country through 9-11 as the mayor of New York City. You've also served as a United States attorney. You've served as a counsel to the president of the United States. First question tonight is actually about where the legal profession in America stands. Because as we look at the cancel culture, we're seeing this increasing McCarthyism across the country where lawyers are being attacked simply for the clients who they represent. Uh, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, my source of it is uh, having known something about the uh, McCarthy era, being a young boy going through it. My parents were very interested in it. And I read about it where, where? McCarthyism on steroids. Mm. What's being done to lawyers is destroying the legal profession. They are being required to subscribe to one political philosophy. It happens to be dominated very much now by big tech because they make up the major mm. income of the major law firms. And if, for example, you're me and you want to represent Donald Trump, then, ew, excuse me. And if you represent Donald Trump, uh, the big clients in your law firm will put a great deal of pressure on your partners saying, get rid of him, because we hate Trump. Trump is a monster. Trump is going to hurt us. This is what happens. This is what's happened to dozens of lawyers who believe in Trump. Who wanted to represent him, who wanted to speak out for him, who didn't want to sign petitions against him, mm. but their livelihood was at stake. In one major case in Pennsylvania, which I believe we lost because of change of counsel, our lawyer was intimidated off the case. He was told he'd be fired, and then the uh, a Democrat community started harassing his daughters, his wife. And the private school his daughter was in was told they didn't want her anymore. Now, it is, this is because he wants to represent the president of the United right. States in what Eric is, in fact, a legitimate dispute about the stealing of votes. You know how we have as lawyers the expression that um, there are two sides to everything. Mm. Well, our side was never heard. There's some, something like we brought eight cases altogether. There are about 70 cases brought. Not a single federal judge ever heard a single piece of evidence about voter fraud. I had to bring them to state legislatures. And some of the people that I brought to state legislatures are now in protective custody because they told the truth about voter fraud. So something um, very anti-American is going on. And I fear it could change our country permanently under a Biden administration. Yeah. Because Biden... Biden has been a 30-year crook, and has no sense of ethics. None. Zero.
0: Yeah. And as we as we look to the as we look to the future, you've obviously been a counselor to the president uh, for a long time. The president had a record number of uh, Republicans come out and and support him. There's a lot of speculation about what the president's future might. Look like. Do you have any sense for whether the president might create his own political party? What he might, what he might do moving, uh, moving forward. The last person who uh, discounted uh, Donald Trump,
2: you know, was Hillary Clinton, and she lost. Mm. Uh, actually, Biden lost. He just cheated. He had, had enormous, he had enormous uh, support behind him. He had George Soros. He had big tech, he had big corporations, he had foreign governments, he had foreign intelligence services. I mean, when this comes out, it will be a massive conspiracy about an election that was stolen. Uh, He really did not beat Trump. Trump actually won this election by more than the last one. Uh, So do not count out Donald Trump, because Donald Trump speaks to the American people who were shut out of this corrupt system, who have been screwed by it. The people where Joe Biden gave the jobs to China so he and his family could get $1.5 billion pumped into Hunter Biden's private equity fund. The people who realize that Senator McConnell has very deep ties to Chinese communism. I mean, and, and uh, it's not just Democrats. Uh, you, you know, Governor, you know this. It's not just Democrats who do this. Yes. There's about an equal amount of advice in the Republican and the Democratic Party. Well, Donald Trump, Donald Trump was not a politician. Right. He frightened the living daylights out of them because all their little games and some of their big multi-billion-dollar games were in jeopardy.
0: Well, that is, it's one of the things that we keep hearing from, from our audience is a tremendous amount of disgust with the political establishment. And yes, the, some of them who are conservatives are angry at liberals and they're angry at the left, but they're also angry at the at the Republican uh, establishment. And when we think about those voices uh, coming forward, you know, one of the things that we also saw was that we saw the big social media companies, big tech, we saw Facebook, Twitter, a lot of the other uh, other social media companies come out say that they were banning the president of the United States. They also banned a number of other conservatives. We just had some folks from Just the News on talking about how Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch was just banned for for a, a tweet that that Twitter had previously said said was fine. So we've seen a lot of this this banning. There's been some talk about the president others who may actually help to lead a movement to create an alternative to some of these social media giants. What are your thoughts on where we're at in terms of censorship of voices and the possible alternatives to have some alternatives to places like Twitter moving forward?
2: We need it. We need it very, very badly. We're in a censorship now we've never been in before. This is the worst crackdown on free speech in the history of this country. It's disgraceful. That a country that is dedicated to free speech, that was founded on two basic notions, freedom of religion and freedom of speech, has actually attacked both this year. Democrats have attacked both of those viciously this year and uh, leaves us going into this current year really wondering whether we still have freedom of speech. I mean, we're cut off in about 80 percent of the places that we can communicate. I don't know. They didn't do that good a job in East Berlin. They didn't do that good a job in, in communist Russia. We could get in about 60 percent of the times. Right. I mean, they, they we, are, we are now at levels of censorship that equal totalitarian governments. Now, they say it's being done privately, but that's the biggest bunch of nonsense. They're a public accommodation. Isn't this the same as back in the 60s when black people couldn't sit at the soda fountain And they said, oh, we're private, we're private, you don't have to sit here. But they were held to be a public accommodation. Isn't Twitter a public accommodation when it gets up to billions of dollars of income and hundreds of millions of Americans and people? Mm. Don't they have to live by our basic value of free speech if they want to take advantage of that enormous amount of money from our public, like Woolworths did? Uh, The only reason for the distinction because of corruption because they pay so much money and they pay off so many politicians
0: and mr mayor one of the things uh you and i have talked about before and i'll ask you to, to do again is kind of put your historical hat on i mean you led uh the country through one of the greatest tragedies of many americans lifetimes and that was the attacks of september 11th uh, you were also a student of history if you could putting on your historical hat for a minute when you look at the republic where are we at today how what are the the key threats to the republic and what do average citizens our viewers who are listening right now what do they need to do moving forward to help to revive the republic
2: well there are two key threats
0: from within
2: it's the big tech oligarchs Mm. who are no different than the oligarchs in russia and in ukraine They've become corrupt, they've become despotic, and they've become oppressive in the way they exercise power. They pay off the Democrat party and some of our party, and therefore gain immunities that nobody else has, and exercise influence over us, in which they crush our rights. Might as well be the government doing, because the government is benefiting from it and paying from it. The second threat is China. Mm. Our external existential threat is China, and we have too many people in our government, including uh, possibly the soon to be president, who has taken multi-millions of dollars from China. And the fact that he was elected president is very, very frightening. China will have in the White House a man who was a partner with Chinese communists just a year and a half ago, getting $10 million a, a year under contract with the Chinese communists. Unheard of. That was censored by the crooked media. And 10% of the American public that has now learned that who are Democrats said they wouldn't have voted for him. This is the danger of censorship. Our biggest danger right now is censorship. It's got to end. We have to have a free press again
0: if we're going to save ourselves. Otherwise, I don't know where we go. And of course, Mr. Mayor, you're referring to, you know, that was the censorship uh, of the New York Post and other coverage at Just the News and other places of the Hunter Biden story that was suppressed by, by big tech. Mr. Mayor, we've only got 20 seconds left, uh, but what's what's your message to, uh, to our viewers and to your fellow Americans uh, right now?
2: Remain together. Remain uh, confident in President Trump. Tr- president Trump was our first president in so, in so long. To really connect with the values of the people of america who feel left out and who feel double crossed which is the majority of america that's why we responded to him that's why we elected him in 2016 and that's why they cheated us out of our election of him in 2020 because the elite want to run this country they don't want the people to run this country
0: Awesome. Well, Mr. Mayor, we very much appreciate you making the time uh, to join us here on Actionable Intelligence. We'll look forward to, to having you on again, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Well, folks, stay with right with us. After the break, Dr. Gina has a great show planned for you here at Real America's Voice. You won't want to miss it. Thank you very much for watching. That's Actionable Intelligence for tonight. We'll be back with you tomorrow night, and have a good night.